This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Man, it's, it's loud, isn't it? That's, that'll wake you up. It's good to see you guys. It's always good to be together. But again, now more than ever. I get to walk out on stage and see your faces, know so many stories, and it just makes me so thankful to be part of this community where we can gather together, and we can process, and we can grieve, and we can celebrate, and we can hold the full tension of human emotion in one space and have a safe place to do that and to engage with each other and engage with God. It just makes me so happy. And I just want to welcome you if you're brand new to New Life. Maybe you joined us a few weeks ago as a guest because you had been displaced. Maybe you joined us over the last few weeks as a volunteer coming to serve. Maybe you just found us online and wanted to check it out. I want to thank you for being here. I want to welcome you to church, and I want to invite you. Make yourself at home. We created this place for you, a safe place to come and explore faith and life and relationships. And I want you to know that I'm so glad that you chose to join us today. And for those of you who are here and you were displaced by these fires, I want you to know that I have prayed for you consistently and regularly over these weeks. I have grieved with you as you grieve. I have asked big questions as you've been asking big questions, and I want you to know that I am here for you and we are here for you. For those of you who came and served over these last few weeks, I just want to thank you again. I, I quite honestly, I'm so proud to be counted among you to be part of this beautiful community in Sonoma County where we watched hundreds of people, over 500 people from our church and our community come together to serve and love those in our neighborhood. And it just makes me so proud to be part of you. As we continue to engage with God this morning, I'm going to invite you to grab your program that you received when you came in and grab two things out of that. The first is that card that says, start here. It is your all access pass to our team. It's how we can pray for you and support you and partner with you. Uh, if you want to get plugged in and involved in something around the church or our community, this will be your way to do that. So go ahead and grab that and uh, get your name on that. And uh, at the end of our time together, if I've earned your trust, we're going to pass some baskets. I'll just ask you to drop that card in the basket when it's passed. The other thing you're going to want to grab are your teaching notes. They'll, they'll tell you where we're going today and what we're looking at. Uh, there's a story in the Bible that speaks to the profound reality of human existence. And we're going to be looking at that today. So go ahead and get your teaching notes ready. And as you do that, I want to share with you one of the most unique experiences I've ever had. And it took place almost nine years ago. I had just been on staff with this church for a few months. Uh, my wife and I, my wife had given birth. I was there, but I didn't do much. I did wear a Team Finkbeiner t-shirt that said, Coach Kevin, number one dad. I can't say that I was the number one dad, except that at that point I had not messed up yet. So I was doing good. So anyway, I digress. So I'm, our daughter is three months old. I'm brand new on staff at this church. And our founding pastor, Ron, said to me, Kevin, I'm heading to India. Would you like to join me? Now, some of you would say, oh, I need to pray about that. I, on the other hand, had a three-month-old who was waking up every two hours and I very clearly knew God was calling me to go to India because 18 hours interrupted on an airplane watching movies and, uh, 
and reading books seems like a welcome experience. Anyone with newborns understands what I'm saying. God clearly calls you to go in those moments. And so Pastor Ron and I headed to India with my wife's blessing. She promised she'd be here when I got back. And uh, about a week in, it was midnight. Pastor Ron had fallen asleep, and I couldn't sleep because there's an 11 and a half hour time difference between California and India. So it's middle of the day in California. It's the middle of the night in India. So I thought to myself, self, why don't you head out into the streets of India and just walk around for a while? And so I did because there was no one there to give me their better judgment. Now you have to understand about India, the place where we go is not a touristy area. It is like I'm the only white dude around, right? So I kind of stick out. And so I decided to head in. I've got my backpack on, no phone or anything, just cruising the streets of India, wandering around, feeling very Jack Kerouac. And, um, and I get out there, and it's like, oh my gosh, I actually don't know where I am right now. I'm lost. This is interesting. I don't know who to talk to because I do not speak the language, and there's no one to interpret for me. And so I found a payphone, and I called uh, my wife, Maria. I said, hey, honey, uh, I'm at some bus stop in India. She said, well, who are you with? I said, well, I'm by myself. She said, what on earth are you doing? You have a child at home, and you're wandering the streets of India all by yourself. I said, yeah, that probably wasn't my best idea. I think home is that way. So I just started walking. About an hour later, 2 a.m., I found my way home, and, and I got back in bed thinking, well, thank you, Jesus, that you got me back here safely. But I had this really interesting experience there. It was the experience of being surrounded by thousands of people and yet feeling utterly alone. And as I've been reflecting on these past two weeks, I recognize that this has been the experience for many thousands of people in our community. Surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people, and yet waking up in the middle of the night in the early hours of Monday morning, being told they had to leave their homes and go somewhere, and feeling utterly alone, not knowing where to go, not knowing who to turn to. And in those moments... There's fear, and there's uncertainty, and there's a need for a word that we're going to talk about today, and the word is hope. It's had me thinking about this teaching of Jesus, where he unpacks what, whether you're a, uh, a religious person or not, regardless of your faith background, he unpacks something that speaks to the reality of the human existence in such a profound way that I would say it is one of, if not the most influential teaching in the ancient world. It's so profound that once a year I teach on it. And if I don't teach on it once a year, you have my permission to come up and yell at me or do what some of us like to do, which is in your prayer request, make a statement sharing with me what you think we should be doing and saying amen at the end. So if I ever don't, feel free to to pervert our prayer requests into a negative comment. You have my permission only for this, though, for nothing else. You know what I'm talking about. Our executive pastor is shaking her head at me. This is what happens when I don't have a translator to stop me partway through my thought process. (laughs) So I'm going to share this story in light of what we've experienced in the past few weeks. I'm going to try to give us some handles around what took place and try to give us some handles around what will be taking place. Because 
what we have experienced as a community in Sonoma County is not done. In fact, we're in the beginning phases of a time when our community must rise up and pull together, maybe like no other time in Sonoma County or California history. And then finally, I want to explore how this devastation mixed with hope and love is exactly what we've been talking about in this Engage series for the last five weeks. If you're brand new with us, I'll be sharing with you a little bit about Engage, what it means that we're talking about how to make our next 20 years our best 20 years. But a little spoiler alert, honestly, everything you've experienced in the last two weeks points to everything we want to be in the next 20 years. So this story starts out like this. There's this guy, and he tries to test Jesus. He asks what looks like a simple question, but there's a question behind the question. It's a testing question. It's a pushing question. And it starts off like this. We find the story in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, an expert of the law refers to someone who like really studied the Old Testament of the Bible, who knew all 613 laws and commands in the Old Testament, who spent their life studying and looking at and thinking about right and wrong and good and evil and how to, how to live life with God. He was an expert in the law. He had memorized what we've come to know as the Old Testament. He knew all the laws, and he wants to test Jesus. And here's the question he asks him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And the man answered, well, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you must love your neighbor as yourself. And it's interesting, in the original language with it's written, there's not a comma there or a period there. It's kind of a run-on sentence. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The two are, are connected. Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So let me just set the stage for us. The guy asks, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And in the ancient world, eternal life, if you're new with us, had two key meanings. One was eternal life is that thing that happens after the dash between two dates. So you start here, you have a dash, you end here, and eternal life is this next thing, life in eternity. And there's something in all of us that I think asks the question in times of tragedy— is there life after this life? Is there something more? And I think all of us hopes there is. Whether you would say, I know there is, or I'm not so sure, all of us hopes there's something more, that we're not just a dash between two dates, some 50 or 60 or 70 years apart, but that there's more, that we have a life that goes into eternity. And the reason why you believe this or want to believe this or hope this is true is because it is true. In fact, there's this ancient poet, philosopher, leader. Towards the end of his life, he wrote down his musings about life, and his musings about life found their way into the pages of the Old Testament of the Bible in a letter that we've come to know as Ecclesiastes. And here's what he says in Ecclesiastes. He says that God has actually placed eternity in the hearts of people. That there's a reason why you and I hope, even if we don't know for sure, we hope for something beyond this life. It's because there is a God and he's placed that hope inside of us that we all want to experience life after this life. 
But the problem is, and this is the story of the human condition, that we've broken relationship with God. That we are created to walk in relationship with God in this world and in relationship with God into the next world, but we've broken relationship with God because of something that the Bible calls sin. Now, sin's not a bad word. Sin's not a condemning word. Sin is a reality of the human condition that we all have. And when I say sin, I'm just talking about the things that we think, that we say, and that we do that hurt us, that hurt those we love most, and that ultimately separate us from a good and perfect God. And we all know we sin because we've all laid in bed before at night and thought to ourselves, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I went there. I can't believe I looked at that. I can't believe I drank that. I can't believe I smoked that. I can't believe I thought that. That's sin. I don't have to tell you what your sin is. You have a spouse for that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You and I already know it. And here's the problem with sin. It's not just a one-time thing that we can overcome because you know this too. A week later or a month later or a year later, you had said to yourself that night, I'm never going to look at it or smoke it or drink it or talk about it or go there again. And then a week or a month or a year later, you were doing the very thing you didn't want to do, looking at it, talking about them, drinking it, smoking it, buying it. You thought to yourself, what's wrong with me? Well, the thing that's wrong is that part of our human experience is that we were born with this sin nature that pulls us away from the very things we want to do. And it pulls us away from God. And it pulls us away from the life we were created for. But the good news about God is that Jesus came into this world, God in the flesh. He saw us from heaven. And I talked about this last week. And he left heaven and he came to earth. He packed his go bag and he brought it to us. And he gave his life for us on a cross, paying the penalty for our sin, which we're told leads to death. Relational death, vocational death, personal death, spiritual death. That when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our death, for our sin, which is death. But then, here's the good news. He rose from the dead and he broke the power of sin forever. So that those of us who accept God's invitation to walk with him in his family don't have to be controlled by this nature, this pull that's pulling us away from God. We can actually be pulled towards God and the things of God because when we become followers of Jesus, God gives us his spirit, which empowers us to live life with him in this life and into eternity. And so part of what the author is saying here is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is how you experience life in eternity. It's walking with God in this world and walking with God into the next. And every one of us has the opportunity to do that. And if you've never made that decision later on today, I'm going to give you the chance to do it. And I'm telling you, today's the best possible day you could because we all know we're not guaranteed tomorrow. But the second part of eternal life, and this is the part that got missed a lot in churches in the last hundred years. See, churches oftentimes in the last hundred years were pointed towards that day, but didn't have a whole lot to say about today. The second part of eternal life is life in this world. In the ancient Jewish mindset, when they talked about eternal life, they talked about how do I live the best life here? A life of purpose and calling and meaning, a life that actually matters. How do I make the most of the dash and not just wait till the date at the end? And the answer to that, Jesus says, is by loving your neighbor the way you would want to be loved. By allowing the love of God to so so flow into us that it results in this love of neighbor flowing 
out of us. Now, that makes sense, right? Stare blankly at me if it does. Okay, good. And you're not an expert in the law, and neither am I, but that makes sense to us. Now, this expert of the law is embarrassed because he should have known that. And so he tries to justify himself. He says, well, well, you know, Jesus, who's my neighbor? Who do I really have to love like that? Because for a Jewish person, their neighbor was another Jewish person, specifically a Jewish person from their family of origin. For us, it'd be like, well, who do I really have to love like that? It'd be people who think like me. Are they my neighbor? Well, sure, they think like me. Or people who look like me. Or people who vote like me. People who have the same socioeconomic status that I do. People who are the same ethnicity that I am. People who are of the same faith tradition as I am. That'd be our version of his version of neighbor. His was a Jewish person. Ours is someone who's kind of like me. And Jesus says something next that just blows him out of the water. Jesus says, you're missing it. Your neighbor isn't the person next door or the person that looks like you or thinks like you or votes like you. Neighboring is a mindset that starts with you and flows out. Notice what he says. Jesus said in reply to the question, who's my neighbor? He said, a man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, which was like an eight-mile journey with a 3,000 elevation drop. It was a crazy, steep, long walk down this road. And he was attacked by robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. That's a rough day. And a priest happened to be going by on the same road, and he saw the man, and he passed on the other side of the road. And a Levite also came to this place and saw him and passed by on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan, and this is where all of Jesus' listeners would be like, ooh, because Samaritans didn't look or think or act like the Jews. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came to where the man was, and he saw him, and he took pity on him. And as I was thinking about the last couple weeks in light of this profound teaching, I was struck by this reality, that how we love in the moments of crisis, is determined by how we love in the everyday moments. There are three people in this story, two of whom are Jewish religious leaders, who we can assume did not explore and experience self-sacrificing love on a daily basis. They went about their religious life, doing their religious thing, reading their books, and going on their way. And the third person in the story is a Samaritan, and we can assume that he made little choices of self-giving love throughout his life. So that when he came to this big moment, this scary moment, this moment where he sees a man half-naked, bleeding on the ground, who looks like he might be dead, with robbers that could be lurking all around them, he stops because it's just what he did. And I was thinking about new life. Our vision has always been to give our lives away in self-sacrificing love. That's who we are. That's, that's how we understand what it means to walk with Jesus. It's about experiencing God's love in such a way that in everyday opportunities, we just give our lives away in self-giving love. See, over the last five weeks, we've been talking about what our next 20 years is going to look like. We're about to have our 20th birthday as a church And we're so glad about what God's done in the last 20 years. 
And we've got a look ahead. And one of the things we've been saying is the next 20 years are going to be the best 20 years because we're going to take major steps forward in loving people, in equipping our community, in serving in tangible ways, in giving out of not just our abundance, but giving in a way that it causes us to sacrifice something good for the sake of something great. And I've been challenging our church to do three things, to pray each day at 112 for the 112,000 people in our community that we love deeply. So long before the fire started, everyone who calls New Life home had an alarm set on our phones, and we've been praying at 112 for our community, asking God to show us how to love our community, how to serve our community, how to be here for our community. So when the fire struck, it was not a question about whether or not we would love our community and serve our community. We've been loving and serving our community in little ways. We're talking about knowing our go, which is our strategic area of service. And one of the things I'd like you to do is we've extended our devotions for the next two weeks. I really want you to hop on my church app. If you don't have the information, I think it's in your program. It's for sure on the TV screens out there. Get the app called My Church App. Look up New Life. Start looking at our devotionals because Pastor Ron's written devotionals this past week talking about what it's going to mean to be an impact in our community and to serve our community in the years to come. And then we've been talking about living our give, about having self-sacrificing financial generosity for the sake of loving and serving this community. I got a call at five o'clock two Mondays ago saying, Kevin, there are fires. I didn't know I was sound asleep. I've said to you before, when I go to sleep, man, I'm asleep. Game over. And I got a call from my, a text from my buddy Dan, like at 4.30. It's like, oh, Dan, I'm so mad at you. I didn't even read it. It's like, what is happening? Then I got a call from Pastor Ron at five saying, Kevin, there are major fires. We need to open up New Life is an evacuation shelter. So I threw on some clothes, was here by 5.30. And my buddy Dan was here. Uh, my buddy Curtis Newsom was here. He's a retired, I believe, fire captain. He was here. Pastor Ron was here. And our executive pastor, Angela, was here. And it was never a question for us. Should we become an evacuation center? Never a question. The first question we asked was, what do we need to do to prepare this space for the hundreds of people who need to be served? And I'm so glad that we never had to ask the question, should we do this? The question was, how can we do this best? And I'm so thankful to be part of a community where I knew you would support this regardless of what it meant to us. The cost it would take to us, the, the things that it would mean for us. I just knew this church practices self-sacrificing love on a daily basis so that when these big moments come, we're ready to do it. When I pulled into our parking lot, there was a family who was in our church already. It's a pastor from Santa Rosa. We funded and helped launch their church years ago. His name is Art. He was here with his family. He got a call early in the morning saying, you need to leave and go south of Roner Park. You need to evacuate. And he said that he didn't even hesitate. He knew where he was going to go. He knew he was going to come to New Life because he knew we'd have our doors open. And he began immediately calling his church members and telling them to come to New Life because he knew we'd be open. Why? Because of you and the ways that you choose self-sacrificing love every day. See, the Samaritan was ready to love his neighbor in this big moment because he loved him in the little moments. The story goes on to say this. The Samaritan man went to him. He bandaged his wounds and he poured oil and wine on him. It was like... Um, it was like this uh, healing treatment. It was the essential oils of the day. So we started oiling him up. No, I'm serious. I'm not making this up. That's, 
I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. Not only was the guy healing, he smelled good and was extremely happy. Remember, prayer requests are not for complaining about Kevin. He put oil and wine on him. And then he took the man on his own donkey and he brought him to an inn to take care of him. So I'm kind of weird, obviously. And this week, to refresh, I read the book, uh, a book by a Holocaust survivor, because obviously that's what we want to read to refresh in these moments, named Viktor Frankl. And if you've never read the book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, I would highly recommend it. He tells the story of his experience in Dachau, which was an internment camp for the Jews. He was a Jewish man. He was a psychiatrist, and he and his entire family were put in this internment camp. And everyone in his extended family, except Frankel and his sister, were murdered over the course of their time. But he had this really interesting experience. He dug ditches during the day, and he moved dirt from one spot to another, and then the Nazis would have him move the dirt back and back. And he watched the hope drain out of people as everything was taken from them. So he dug ditches during the day, and he moved dirt during the day, but then at night he would see his Jewish inmates, and he would have therapy sessions with them. And he was trying to figure out, how can I help people survive this most horrific experience? And he writes this book, Man's Search for Meaning. He says this, the people who survived the Holocaust experience and went on to live fairly functioning and normal lives, which is, I mean, in light of that, how do you even, how do you do that? But the people who survived and lived fairly functioning and normal lives, all had one thing in common. They had something that Frankel calls simple hope. He says some of the inmates who were there hoped that one day everything would go back to normal, and they survived the Holocaust, but they got out and they realized things will never go back to normal, and they were gripped by so much depression and anxiety that they could not function on the other side. But there was another group there that just wanted simple hope. He talks about a baker And the baker's hope was that one day he could bake one loaf of bread again. He talks about a musician, and the musician's hope was that one day they'd be able to pick up an instrument and play again. He shares his own story and says that his simple hope was that one day he could practice therapy again. And he says this, in the midst of uncertainty and tragedy and loss— which, can we be honest, this is what our Sonoma County community is experiencing right now. What people need most is simple hope. Simple hope. And that's exactly what the Samaritan man brings to this man who's lying on the side of the road. He brings him simple hope. Hope that he's seen. Hope that he's known. Hope that someone will take the time to pick him up, dust him off, put some clothes on him, and get him to safety. And friends, that's what we have done over these last two weeks. I can't tell you the amount of stories I heard of people walking through our doors, many of whom had no idea if their houses were left, some of whom knew their houses were gone. 
And the fear in their eyes and the sadness in their eyes was almost overwhelming. But they walked through our doors and they were greeted with a hug and a smile and someone saying, we've got a bed for you. And you know what we did? We provided simple hope. Hope that we're going to see you today and be here for you. I, I talked to a man who was visiting. Uh, I'm just going to go long today. You might, I just noticed the clock. Be aware. I'm going to have to wear a Packers jersey in a few weeks because I blew my bet with our worship pastor. So, <laughs> yay. <laughs> I talked to a man who was here, and he and his daughter had flown out from the Midwest uh, they weren't Bears fans, but it's okay. They had flown out from the Midwest, and uh, they were staying at a hotel for his niece's wedding, and they had to run out of their hotel room, fire literally all around them. He ran out just in pajama pants, no shoes, no shirt, no nothing. They got here, and they met um, one of our new lifers, a guy named Jim. And Jim went out with his own car and got some, I think gave him his own shoes and got some clothes for him. And in that moment, Jim gave this man simple hope that he wasn't going to be lost today. See, we love our neighbors by bringing hope to their immediate needs. That's one of the ways that New Life loved our neighbors as ourselves this last week. But there's a second component to neighbor love that this guy does that we are going to be doing moving forward. Verse 35 says this, The next day he took out two denarii, which is roughly two days' worth of wages, And he gave it to the innkeeper. And he said to the innkeeper, look after him. And when I return, underline that, when I return, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. The Samaritan man promises not to forget about his friend who was beaten and robbed. New Life, in this last week, moved from an evacuation center uh, to a resource center. Well, we're going to be resourcing people through organizations in Santa Rosa and Sonoma, through local churches that we're connected to. We're going to be resourcing people with food, with clothing, with things to get them back up on their feet. Our neighbors over at Midstate next door have done a great thing for us. They gave us a storage unit so that we can store what I'm, I would honestly say are mountains of supplies to give out. It's amazing what our community did as we came together. But one of the things that I recognize, because you and I have experienced this with things like Katrina uh, or um, the hurricanes in Texas or Florida, is that these types of tragedies hit the news cycle and we're very involved for a week or two. But then it becomes this thing that's over there and we forget about it over here. And the truth is that's going to happen to Sonoma County. That much of the United States is going to kind of forget about what's going on here. And it's going to be our job as a community of Jesus followers who loves Sonoma County not to forget. Because part of loving our neighbor means partnering with ongoing needs. Ongoing needs, not just immediate needs. And so I can commit to you right now that New Life is going to be partnering with Sonoma County in ongoing needs in the months and years to come because this is going to be a multi-year process. And boy, we can't forget our neighbors in Sonoma County who have lost so much. One of the things I'm so excited about is that uh, our founding pastor, Ron, is going to be leading a ministry over the next years called Impact, which is a community initiative ministry where we're serving 
local needs in our neighborhoods. We're calling them, uh, we're calling them neighborhoods, really their needs, because Jesus says, love those in need, they become your neighbor. And one of our neighborhoods is going to be rebuilding after these fires. One of the things we're working on right now is getting these resources out. And so if you go to our Facebook page, you can sign up to be a liaison uh, officer. Uh, I'm sorry, I got the words wrong. A resource liaison, a resource liaison. We're going to be doing 12-hour shifts throughout the week because we have 15 or 20 families every week coming to New Life asking us for supplies. And so that's going to be one of the ways we meet ongoing needs is getting resources to people as they need them. We're talking about doing major like giveaway garage sale style things on Saturdays where we just invite everyone from Sonoma County community here and say, take whatever you need. We will provide more if more is needed because we know that part of loving our neighbor means meeting people's ongoing needs. And I believe, and I know you do too, Jesus is inviting us to love like this. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, you know that this is what you and I were created to do. To love other people the way that we would want to be loved if we were in the same situation. The question becomes, why does Jesus invite us to love like this? Well, this type of love brings hope in immediate needs. This type of love brings hope in ongoing needs. But this type of love also points people towards God who brings eternal hope. That hope of eternity that we talked about. I remember on Wednesday of this past week, I had one of our translators come up to me, or two weeks ago, a translator came up to me and said, this family wants to speak with you. They speak pretty much only Spanish, and your Spanish is no good. So let me introduce you. And the wife said to me, we don't really have a faith background. We don't go to church. But the way that you have loved our family makes us want to know more about Jesus. Can you, can you tell us about Jesus? That's awesome. Yeah. Listen, for a guy like me, that's like Christmas morning. Someone who wants to sit down and just talk about Jesus, it was awesome. We talked for 45 minutes. The family said, we want to follow Jesus because of the way that you guys have loved us this week. We want to know more about God. This is why we do what we do. See, when we love our neighbors, and this is in your notes, it points to the eternal hope of a God who loves our neighbors more than we could ever imagine. So church, we're going to keep on loving. We're going to keep on serving. We're going to keep on giving. We're going to keep on pointing our community towards Jesus. And we're going to keep on dreaming about what God's going to do in and through us for the next 20 years, not just in this fire relief effort, but in really reaching Sonoma County. So I'm going to invite you to continue to pray each day at 112. Pray with me for the people in our community. I'm going to invite you to learn your go, to know your go, to figure out what it's going to look like for each of us to be empowered to serve in strategic areas of influence throughout our cities. And I'm going to invite each of us to continue to live our give, to continue asking God what it looks like to give generously and sacrificially to the things that God is doing in Sonoma County, because it's imperative now more than ever that God has a fully funded and functioning church to do the work that God wants to do in Sonoma County. Those of us who have been around New Life for a while know that we were, this last Sunday, we were going to have what we were calling our Generosity Commitment Sunday. It was going to be this day where all of us got together after the, this six-week Engage series. All of us got together and we said, here's what we sense God is calling each of us to individually or as families, calling us to give for the next two years so that we can fund God's work in the church and in Sonoma County. 
Well, clearly last Sunday was not the week for that. Like, that falls in the no-duh category. And so our staff team got together, and we were praying, and we were talking, and we said, God, should we just put a hold on this whole generosity part for now? I mean, there's so much uncertainty. There's so much unknown. But as we prayed, we really sensed God saying to us, no, this is exactly the time to ask our church to engage with God and take steps of radical generosity because our community needs a church that is funded and equipped to love and serve the way that this church is equipped to love and serve. And so here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Next Sunday, we're going to have that celebration service that we were going to have two weeks ago where we're going to come together, we're going to sing, we're going to tell stories, we're going to dream about what God's going to do in and through us, and we're going to make our commitments for the next two years on what we sense God calling us to give in terms of our generosity towards the church so that we can fund the work that God is doing. Now, if you're brand new with us, listen, you just get a sneak peek. This, is, this isn't for you. I'm not asking anything of you. If you're brand new with us, come next week and celebrate with us, but you get a sneak peek into what we believe it looks like to love God so deeply that it impels us to love our community in tangible ways through our service and through our generosity. Listen, I couldn't be more proud of our church for taking steps of generosity in uncertain times. Now, for some of you, you don't know if you're actually going to be able to go back to work. You don't know what the next steps are for you, and if that's you, don't worry. This is a two-year journey we're going to take. God will make that clear to you in time. Don't feel any obligation to make commitments when you don't know what the next steps are going to bring. But for the rest of us, I'm going to ask you this week to get back with God, to keep talking with him, to keep praying, to keep asking questions about what it looks like to be a person who's marked by radical generosity so that we can love our neighbor as ourself in tangible ways. And then next week, we're going to come together and we're going to make our commitments. And up on the screen, I think there's a card. Uh, Next week, you're going to have this in your seat back in front of you. Again, this is for those of us who have been on this journey together. If you're a guest with us, just feel free to enjoy this process. But it's going to ask you what you normally give and then whatever you sense God expanding that generosity to, because we're all inviting God to let us make next steps in our generosity, our expanded generosity what the total commitment is, and then what our two-year commitment's going to be. Next week, we're going to have some cards. You can just drop this card in the basket when it's passed. Then we'll know how God's going to fund our church for the next two years as we reach this community deeply. So that's what next week is going to look like, and I'm excited to take that journey with you. I know we've taken a break from this conversation for a while, so this coming Wednesday, I'm going to go Facebook Live, I think at 7.30, and I'm going to give you a chance to do a Q&A with me. I had never done Facebook Live before two weeks ago. I'm kind of hooked. Are you going to wear the vest? But it's, I, I might wear the vest, yeah. <laughs> but I realized that um, people weren't watching me. They wanted to know what was going on with our community. So we had like thousands of people watching. I have a feeling it's going to be more like, like a steep decline in the weeks to come, which I'll have to do a little heart work around that. But I'm going to go Facebook Live and just have a conversation about our key initiative points for this Engage series, what the next 20 years are going to look like, allow you to ask me questions so we can really connect about that. All right, I'm going to close with this. I really am going to close with this. If I, if I could only say one thing to you, and if you missed everything else I said except for this one thing, it would be this simple truth 
There is a God in this world who sees you, who knows you, who loves you, who did not design you to walk through life alone. That the way that you're loved by Jesus' followers is a picture of the way that your heavenly Father, God, wants to love you. And God made a way for you to have a relationship with him like that, to be adopted into his family, to know him. It's through Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin, and who rose again, conquering the power of sin and death forever, so that that pull that pulled us away from God would no longer have power over us, but we could walk in relationship with God. And if you want to make that decision today, I'm going to close our time by just inviting you to pray a simple prayer and saying, God, I want, I want that. I want to know you like that. I want to walk with you like that. I don't want to live life on my own anymore. I want to live life with you in partnership with you. If you're ready to make that decision, you can join me right now. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you designed this world so that no one would have to walk alone. Thank you, Jesus, that you call those of us who follow you to swim within the riverbanks of loving God and loving our neighbors. Thank you, Jesus, that you've loved us in such a way that it compels us to love others with self-giving, self-sacrificing love. Would you continue to show us as a community of faith what it looks like to love our neighbors throughout Sonoma County? Would you please bring healing for people who are hurting? Would you help people in times of uncertainty to know one thing for certain, which is that you see them and know them and love them? And friends, if you're here this morning and you've never made a decision to become a follower of Jesus, you can make that decision right now. You can just say this simple prayer. It's no magic spell. It's just talking to God. You can whisper right where you're sitting. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin. And I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your spirit, God? And would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward? even as I walk into eternity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.